going back to um, your earlier years, like, I don't know, what does the word jazz mean to you? I mean, we, me and you could walk up and down the, the streets of Huntington Beach or Long Beach or uh, San Francisco and ask people what their definition of the word jazz is, and we get 20 different answers. What is your definition? Um, jazz to me is self-expression, um, listening, um, you know, it's, uh, like you said, it, it can be interpreted in many different ways, but, you know, um, uh, improv, a lot of syncopation, um, but it's a language, you know, and I think it's a very thorough language that to really consider yourself a jazz musician is a lifelong study. And uh, so jazz in a whole isn't just a word with a definition. It is, it is a lifestyle. That lifestyle for many cats, you know, back in the fifties, um, I've interviewed quite a few cats that were from that bebop era. You know, so many of them were like, Oh, you know, uh, you know, bird is all strung out. That that's that's how he probably gets his sound. You know, a lot of them became junkies. They thought that was the jazz life. Then they'd be able to sound like Bird. Bird used to say, "No, don't uh, do what I say. Don't do what I do." And there were plenty of cats who didn't do any drugs. But what is? I mean, the jazz life in, in today's world. I know you're not a jazzer. Obviously, it's so hard to even make a living playing this music because <laughs> it's not popular music anymore. But I, I I just wanted to go back to this this idea of in jazz because one word you didn't use though I know you know this I mean it uh, jazz it, it's about dynamics so feathering is is very essential within the jazz context whether you're playing an original tune or something out of the American songbook so it just as best you can in your own situation whether you're playing Afrobeat or world music Mardi Gras Indian music funk whatever. How does feathering the bass drum open up the pocket and the groove collectively? I just, I have a hard time today with people who just are like using the bass drums as uh, like machine guns. You know, there's no dancing on the kit. How is dancing on the kit, how does dancing on the kit open up a more, you know, generic style of music like rock or funk? Well, I mean, in instead of like you said instead of being something that's overpowering the rest like say for instance on a backbeat and you know like a lot of hip-hop you know they'll be taking jazz samples and stuff and they'll they'll be you know pulling that up and so the kick drum is you know very present in jazz when you're kind of floating it and in my interpretation that when you're floating it, you're leaving more space. You're letting somebody else talk. You're letting somebody else express themselves, but then still giving that low end thump, that feel that you get to kind of just not to reset um, a hmm. phrase, but more of to just add language to it, you know, being another part of it, not a definitive part of of the song or to reset a measure or something like that it's it's you're basically using it as another drum so when you when you when you talk about floating and you're and you're going back to this is you're just playing it like every other drum you know say you're playing the, the ride cymbal you can play it really soft you can play it really hard you can play the snare drum say for instance ghost notes you're basically playing ghost notes like you do on a snare but you're doing it on a kick drum so it's it's like any other stroke that you have and it's how you're gonna, how it needs to be applied. Having a ball. Yeah. No, I mean, you're riff, you're riffing right now. I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> you know, I sent you a clip. You probably didn't right before our interview. We probably didn't have, it was really, cause it, I, I was reading that you did play with big chief monk Boudreaux. Is that true? Yeah. We uh, recorded a, um, a record with him. It's just so I will get into that in a minute, but I it was it's so cosmic. Of course, this is just the way I've been operating for the last years. Just the synergy. There is no coincidence. And last night I'm like looking at my archives and I'm like, wait a minute. I never uploaded my big chief monk Boudreaux interview because I'm good friend, very good friends with Johnny Vidakovich. You know, Johnny? Oh, yeah, okay, I mean, the guy, I, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know him personally, but I definitely know 
him and his playing. And uh, I mean, yeah. He's, well, when, he's when, you, when you're going back to New Orleans, let me know because you guys can go out for a nice Italian dinner. The guy is a <laughs> legendary character, man. But Beautiful. he. Um, <clears throat> So he hooked me up with Monk a while ago. And so I'm digging. This is last night. And I had not really done any research for our interview. So I didn't know anything about this. And I, so I uploaded, the, I found the file. I was frantic. I found, somehow I found it, uploaded it to YouTube, was listening back to it. And he talked about, I put up a quote, I put up that clip that I sent you on Instagram because he was talking about, he goes, cats today, when they are in a drum circle, you know, they all want to be heard. He goes back right. that, you know, he goes, it's not about that. He's like, you don't beat the drum. You play right. the drum. You talk to each other with the drum. You don't beat the drum. because You're still going to be heard if you beat the drum. Ain't nobody going to listen. Right. And it's, it's just like so hip. And, you know, this guy's coming up with like, you know, handmade tambourines, makeshift tambourines. You know, the, the bars in New Orleans are playing on the top of cigarette. A machine yeah. i mean they didn't yeah. have a trap they didn't have a trap drum you know and so my, my before we get into monk i just did you have an experience early on where because what you were talking about with the drum kit before with the ghost notes it's like the drums is not the lead instrument it's an accompanist instrument it's part of the milieu it's part of the conversation and what i just wanted you to talk about when you kind of when your ears grew the most on the bandstand to the point when you recognized that it was about playing the drums because if you beat the drums, you're going to be heard, but you're not going to get called back for the gig and no one's going to be listening to you. <laughs> right, right. Now, listen, listening has always been an important part of, of my career. Uh, you know, I can't tell you with some of the groups that I play with, you know, the drums are very dominant in the sense that that is the drive. You know, yes. it, they're loud bands, you know, a lot of percussion, loud guitars, loud bass, you know, that sort of thing. So, playing the drums loud is important. That's kind of, you know, that's relevant for, for that music. Um, in my early years of learning about that was, you know, obviously dynamics and listening to people. There was an artist that I was playing with, Emily Wells, who she plays, you know, all sorts of instruments, but it, it all came around to looping, you know, with violin and quiet instruments and things wow. like that. So dynamics was very important and listening to what she was doing was very important. And I was accompanying her with my sounds. So it wasn't always necessarily like a backbeat, you know, it's, it, it's closer to where you would say jazz because it has a little bit more of a free flow, not necessarily improvisation, but more of listening to what's around you and, and fitting into where you're needed. So if you're not listening, then obviously the whole thing's going to fall apart. And that that moved on to everything that I was doing. You know, when you have dynamics, if, if every other player goes down, you know, and you're sitting here in your own world playing, you know, louder, then you're you're destroying the whole whole song. You know, right. like you said, like you're not there to be heard. You're not you're not the showcase of of the thing and everybody else is under you. You know, I it's it, it is really about just listening. To what's around you and playing to that dynamic um and you know going a step further i just because i'm just a 45 year old cat you know but i um i've woodshedded pretty hard with you know it, it's clear that you you know you have an inclination towards uh you know the rhythms of the motherland african rhythms you mentioned mm -hmm. bela kuti and that kind of stuff and you know <clears throat> So many of the, the Mardi Gras Indians and a lot of those, um, I mean, they refer to it as Santeria, but it's that's a Latin name for, you know, uh, spiritual drumming in Cuba. You know, so much of it is about communication and language uh, back and forth. It's not even, you know, they're not playing, you know, My Funny Valentine. They're literally communicating, which was such a threat to uh, the slaveholders and honestly, the Europeans, uh, when they... American uh, Europeans took over the uh, Louisiana Purchase from the French. I mean, if, if a slave was caught with a drum, you know, they had their hands cut off. So I just, my question is, have you been exposed or be, have you been in situations musically where, you know, 
it's it it was it was literal like it was a spiritual discharge it was a spiritual drumming community where um you may not again it was about language you may not have been hip to all the language but people were clearly doing a lot of call and response and a lot of talking to each other oh i yeah um i can say so in january i uh got the opportunity to go and play music down in cuba uh with my group jungle fire and while we were down there it was very eye-opening you know i'm 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 aware and familiar with, you know, some of the rhythms and stuff, but when you're actually there, you know, of the birth of, of the Cuban music, yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about is the communication. You know, you have the batas, you have the conga, you, you know, every, everything that is being played has its place and the communication between all the drums and the way that they're playing off each other. And it's a full language. It's, it's all language. And obviously I'm just standing there in awe and trying to, <laughs> you know, trying to see what's oh, going I on. And, I, and yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole nother thing. So to actually be there and experience it, you know, of course I play with some people that are, you know, maestros of that, of, you know, Cuban music. Um, but I mean, they studied for years and years and constantly still learning, you know, but it is a language like you're not going to be able to sit in and play anything like that unless you know the language. That's it. Bottom line. It's like if, you know, if you're trying to learn Spanish, well, you, you know, you got to learn Spanish. If you're trying to speak Italian, like you got to learn Italian, you know, and that's exactly what that is. You know, percussion itself. I mean, or as you mentioned, you know, drum circles or um, that's all language. You know, you're not going off in jibber jabbering about stuff while they're actually having a conversation you know you'll absolutely you're out. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> you're I, you know, like what i i mean i'm not a, a musician i mean i play conga drums but i mean i don't i just jam you know but, but we couldn't have had this high level of a conversation when i first started my show when i go back and listen to you know my interviews with jack b Jeanette, other people like that i mean i was i knew that i wanted to create a niche but i didn't have my voice i didn't have the language i didn't have the knowledge the knowledge is the language. I guess, you know, some people would say, well, if you want to learn Italian, then, you know, just go to Rome and immerse yourself in the culture for six months or a year and you'll figure it out or Chinese go to Taiwan. But in some of these um, sacred ceremonies, especially in Cuba, like, I mean, they're you know, telling they're, stories. They are. And, and they're and they're secret kind of I mean, that you can't you know, how do you how would you you particularly if you wanted to learn that language, I mean, would you, would you be allowed to dwell in one of these communities for months at a time? Or is it so sacred that they're like, you know, no. I mean, it's, it is very sacred, um, especially, you know, the, yeah, a lot of it is, is community and it is very sacred. You know, the way that you treat your drums, the, the way that you treat other people's drums, the way that, you know, that sort of thing. And to really, become trusted you you do have to live in it you have to be trusted into their lives and communities you know i'm, I'm not speaking on anybody's behalf but just from what i've experienced it is yeah you're, you're not just like this musician coming in and be like all right teach me this and it's it's like what who are you like why do <laughs> yeah. you deserve to learn our language you know and and it really isn't just like knowing somebody or knowing people and really showing a desire to learn. If you show and it's like, oh yeah, you know, I want to learn a few things. I want to learn this. It's there's just like, no, that's that. No, it's about people that want this in their life. You know, want to learn this religion, to learn this culture. To, you know, it's it's a lot more of that. So yeah, you're you're right in a sense that it's secret, but it's not necessarily secret. It's just it's a very sacred thing, and you know, it it's not to be treated lightly. You, it has to be very well respected and in order to be respected you have to show respect you're absolutely right i'm going um how did you guys get even connected to one of these i mean you know to me it's like you go to cuba and it's like there's so much gentrification and pop stuff but then so you really got to know some cats down there. did you were you connected to some people down there that were able to get you to see the real stuff yeah um so in the in our group jungle fire uh 
one of the members, Alberto Lopez, who, uh, I mean, he's, he's an incredible musician uh, and very knowledgeable of, of all different languages. And, but uh, he, he studied down there for quite oh. some time. Um, he and a couple of his friends and, and whatnot, but yeah, they've, they studied down there. They lived there. They lived, lived the, the Cuban life and studied every single day. He would go, he would go have a lesson, go home and practice and then go play a show and then do that over and over and over again. You know, he could tell you much more stories and stuff, but from what I've learned from him is that it is constant dedication to it you know and but he's the one that he's the one that still had friends exactly there. so yeah, 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 he, yeah he he still knows a lot of people down there and there's some other people and really it was for the jazz fest and um wow. and obviously i mean there's not a lot of money and and you know we kind of just saved up but we got the invitation and of course we jumped on it we went down there we got to perform in front of beautiful people um and be part of the community and and uh i mean it it's it was quite a life experience. You know, I hope to do it again. If I don't, you know, at least I got to do it. Hey once, man, but, you did uh, it already, you know. man. Yeah, <laughs> man. It's it. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. No, I mean, were you, <clears throat> you know, you can riff on this any way you want, but I mean, you go back to uh, Cal Jader records, uh, you know, you, you know, you had Mongo, Willie Bobo, and then, you know, so you had, Congas, timbales you didn't even really have in some on some of the records you didn't even have a full trap set you know full drum set i were you um were you playing your own tunes your band's tunes or were you on stage with a modified kit uh no well are, are you are you talking specifically for cuba yeah exactly yeah yeah um because obviously there's not a lot of money to buy no. thing or or the resources to get it so um huh. you know of course traveling down there you know we brought a bunch of sticks and heads and things you know some percussion stuff but that's the beautiful t thing down there is they work with what they have i know, you know? That's so so, sick. so i was lucky enough that yeah for for the jazz fest it's a little different they get what they have um so I did have a trap kit. Now I'm not going to say it was the best trap kits I ever had, but these are the, you, my favorite kits are the ones. Yeah, my favorite still. kits are the sloppy ones. Yeah. I love those kits. You know, I love yeah. it. You know, and and just you know, if you don't have a specific, you know, cowbell or a go go or something, they make their own. You know, if you know, like you've always seen in, in videos and stuff, people using a bucket or a a container for a kick drum, and you use you know a stack of metal for you know, a absolutely, you, dude. Absolutely. you know, it's, it, it, you don't have to have like, you know, a, a DW kit, a Gretsch kit, or, you know, brand new or anything like that. Like you don't have to have it, you know, it, you, you use what you can. And obviously you see that it makes beautiful music with whatever you have, you know? So of course, if you have the resources for, you know, a brand new kit and, and whatnot, then of course, but I mean, me for myself, like a lot of recordings and stuff is dirty as pretty, you know? like <laughs> just old old kits and and tea towels and you know i got a beater that's you know the wool's pretty much gone but it sounds good so you kind of just leave it you know it's yeah i mean you find down there that yeah you may have a kit you know our bass player might have a bass amp oh maybe not he'll just play through a little 10 inch crate you know <laughs> you just you, you deal with it and you make what you can out of it no it's really well said and, and you know it's funny because my um I'm not sure if you ever read, ran across the the legendary percussionist uh, Emil Richards, who was like the, and he did hundreds of studio sessions, played with Sinatra, mm -hmm. Basie, Shearing. I mean, was just this zany psychedelic percussionist, and had I, you know I was very close with him, and he uh, he used to say he's like Milt Jackson, <clears throat> the vibes player. He's like Milt had the saddest looking vibes in the world. Like it just they looked so sad and then he'd get on those on those vibes and the sound that he could generate out of that was astounding i mean it was just yeah you did not and you're talking about this so this is sort of a um this is not a technical question but in general you just talk about 
again going back to Monk yesterday, he said it what because they didn't have any real. They were make they were putting stuff together with their hands. It, yeah. You know, they didn't have anything. He goes, but it was about if you could get the sound, the sound. That's all that's that all mattered. mattered. Exactly. So my question really that, is yeah. how how have you learned talk a little bit about the pulse, the heartbeat, the soul that allows you, even in not perfectly desirable circumstances, maybe a terrible PA or you don't have you have a sad looking kid or whatever. Can you talk about how you you generate volume sonically through soul and like physical life force? physical life force that's um, like i mean when, when like milt like the minute he got on those vibes as pathetic and sad as they looked there he was yeah. that was his life force right there yeah well it created the sound um you know you have to think that in a situation that it's like okay say i'm throwing a, a drum kit that only produces so much velocity you know right. Right. um and of course depending on how hard you play something you know, is going to change the sound, you know, like if you're playing, say you had a, a, a tub as a kick drum, well, the harder you hit it isn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the loudest, you know, there, there's a sweet spot for it. Mm. You know, you could be choking it too much, you, could, you know, just that sort of thing, any drum kit, you know, a certain type of snare is going to have a different velocity. So the way I see it is that when you're on stage, again, it goes back to the listening that if something doesn't have the velocity or the volume of something else well then you're going to have to bring it back a little so that that person can speak you know and yeah. that's what creates the energy so if i do if i have a kit that's just not loud but everything else is loud and i need you're just putting the energy there you know if i gotta dig i'm gonna dig you know that's where it comes you know kind of punk rock or some afro rock you know to where oh, you're just yeah. laying into it oh, yeah. and you get a different sound and then maybe that sound is what that needed you know if it's just this trashy kit but you're just laying into it while somebody you know while the bass player is driving that's going to be its own sound you know it may not be the sound that exactly what you want but your energy that you're playing is coming through you know so that's and that's what i want to i want to know and you know that that's that's extremely well articulated i just have you learned can you just talk about in your evolution you know to me you're talking about it's the energy coming through you. And sometimes, you know, especially with less seasoned cats or even a lot of musicians who have been doing this for a long time, you know, they feel like they're completely responsible for the information coming through them via singing or their apparatus, when in fact they're only partially responsible for it. And part of it's about getting out of your own way to allow the information to come through you. Was there a pivotal moment in your career where you kind of realized that if you could figure out, I mean, it doesn't always work out seamlessly, but that when you got out of your own way, you were able to channel information through you coming through, you know, from the heavens, you were basically a conduit. Yeah. I mean, that's where you just got to get out of your own head and the questions that you're questioning yourself while you're playing. <laughs> you when, know, yeah, you, like, you're... like early on, like you, you, can you talk about a time early in your career when, when there was a lot of sort of mental chatter and, and ultimately like how you learned to cultivate that sort of, emptiness or stillness or that void that just allows you to be a vessel yeah um you know i can tell you when i first joined orgone back in the day you know it was kind of like a it was a big thing for me because it was a, a new direction and, and a new set of people that i was playing with and so you know it's very you know nerve-wracking i was nervous yeah. and and then you start playing these shows in front of a bunch of people and you know i was used to performing in front of large audiences but when you're approaching something new and you haven't really, you know, played with these people before and expressing it, you're in your head thinking like, okay, this part's coming up. Okay. Don't mess up this bill. Okay. Don't do this. Oh, right, did right, they, right. you know, it's like, is, is Dan thinking that this part's wrong? Oh, did I miss this ghost? No, you know, those sort of things. And then you kind of just got to say, okay, just shut your mind up. Listen to what everybody else is playing. You know, the groove. Just start with the groove. Don't think about other things. Remember the breaks, hit the breaks. And then over time, that starts to develop and it allows you to stop listening to that other voice in your head that's constantly, you know, asking questions, you know, or, you know, being, 
being that second mind that's saying, are you sure this is right? Are you sure this right. is right? You want it to you be kinda, perfect and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. you want it to yeah. be perfect, yeah. but you're not going to be perfect if you're sitting there listening to yourself in your own head while everybody else around you is, is moving forward, you know? So instead of stressing yourself out with that, just it's the confidence. You know that you know it. And then you just got to listen to everybody else and move along with them. Because if you're sitting here thinking the whole time, then you may not be in the groove. And if you're not in the groove, then, you know, you can throw other people off, you know? So it's, it, yeah. Um, it's That's really beautiful. I mean, were, were, yeah. were you, uh, was, you know, a lot of that story with some of the older cats would be accompanied by like somebody in the band, maybe coming over at a certain point recognizing that maybe you're frustrated by all the things you were just talking about and saying, Hey, don't worry about it. You know, be yourself. I mean, for so many years, uh, when I remember Dave Holland told him when Coltrane first joined miles, um, he kept coming up <clears throat> to miles and saying, what do you want me to play? What do you want me to play? Miles kept turning his back on him and yeah. train finally realized, Oh, he wants me to be myself. Not that you can just go off in some frenzied, you know, beaver harris freeform jazz jam but the truth is did, was was somebody in the band able to sort of say hey man we brought you in to be yourself you know don't you know exactly doing great, yeah you know? yeah that's that's exactly it you know i i can say i'm i'm very guilty of questioning myself and my you know my just i guess my abilities and and whatnot you know when when i'm called up for a session or you know for example, when I joined Orgone or started, you know, our own group Jungle Fire and stuff is is that, you know, a lot of times I would question it because, you know, and I'll be honest, there's amazing drummers out there and there's amazing drummers that could run circles around me, you know, technically or visually or whatever, you know, they're there. And I would always just kind of doubt myself and kind of put myself down that it's like, oh, man, you're not good enough. You're not this and that. But it's exactly what you're saying that it comes down to it's it's your individuality. It's it's what you bring. It's the the pictures that you paint. Like it's exactly. your specific feel that works. You know, it's it's that sort of thing. It's the right tool for those sort of things. And it's the energy that you bring that brings the energy to those songs, you know, that sort of thing. So it really is just people around you saying like, no, you're you're doing this because you do this right. You don't have to be, you know, uh, Neil Perry. You don't have to be John Bonham. You don't have to be Earl Palmer. You know, it's like exactly, you don't have to dude. be these. But you're really just kind of you take the elements. You know, like I mentioned, Tony Allen. I mean, he's a huge influence on me because, I mean, his touch is impeccable. You know, he's not the most amazing drummer in the world. He's not going to sit there and and you know do a drum battle with somebody even though he'd smoke him in his own way but you know it's 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 his touch and his feel and what oh he my god specific man. song you know what i'm saying um no and, i want to say i want to just say that like because that stuff i lived on that for several years just consistently betting myself with fela and um you know it's not I don't get off on people's, you know, playing facility. I wind up staring at the wall if it doesn't feel good. But like Tony Allen, like it's not the most complex stuff, but it's very but repetitive. It <laughs> but, but it feels so good. And so yeah. that's all that matters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing is, you know, there's there's a lot of, of bands and stuff that, you know, play Afrobeat, some much better than others. Um, but for me personally, it comes down to like, okay, what's the drummer doing? Is he trying to be all up front doing his thing? Or does, you know, you can tell if somebody's really studied Tony Allen or not. I mean, there's wow. some cats out there that it's, I mean, they've, they've mastered, or I shouldn't say master, but they've really gotten the language down, you know, just, just the touch and, and, and um, yeah, really the language, like you said, like it may not be the most difficult, but when you actually really break it down, it is, you know, I, you know and that's the other it. thing is just what what are, what can you say to me or the audience about <laughs> because with a lot of African music, Fela included, 
it sounds incredibly complex, but in that classic African tradition, when you pull and when everybody has their separate parts, you pull those yeah. apart and then everybody's doing it together. So it's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's how the claves. You, right. And, and those cats, I mean, when they were recording albums, I don't think there was a lot of overdubbing, which means they were all pretty much hitting at the same time, which oh, is yeah. amazingly impressive. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess my question is with 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 the with your band the uh, uh, what's Jungle what Jungle Fire Jungle Fire yeah. and that's the Afrobeat band. Uh, it's not Afrobeat. It's it. I mean, it incorporates Afrobeat in itself, but it also incorporates you know traditional Colombian, uh, you know Cuban rhythms. But it, it it's it's kind of like if you took you know those elements and then added like a you know funk behind it you know I strong backbeats or yeah, yeah yeah so well no i was gonna say like how did how how have you sort of that, that was my question was kind of what makes your that band um unique i mean there's i don't mind going to see well i, well, say, I, I think mean, I what mind, makes yeah, yeah i think ahead. what makes it unique uh as far as that band is that you know the the band is fronted by three percussionists up front and as I mentioned, like a lot of it is based around specific language that they know and that they speak in where and then, you know, some of the horn lines, it's not, you know, like they could be playing a salsa rhythm or something, but the horns aren't playing salsa. The rhythm section is not playing salsa. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you, you may have specific rhythms that are happening up front and the bass and drums are literally just, you know, driving like a J. B sort of beat, you know. Um, you can have horns or the guitars just doing some picking or, or doing some psychedelic groove over it or something. It's really just taking these different languages, putting it together. But, you know, coming from the rhythm, there's the clave. Okay, where's the clave at? And then, okay, I'm on the drums. Am I the backbeat or am I playing in between of what they're playing? And then the bass line's going to keep it down solid. He's not trying to, you know, go off and be the rock star. Right, you know? and then right. Everybody everybody finding their place you know and like you said when you strip it down there's specific parts that may not be so difficult and then when you put them together it sounds very difficult and what makes it difficult is being able to keep the conversation going so oh my say. god i mean that's the part yeah. when you have making it feel good i mean that's it's, yeah. it, it, what you're describing is is like it's all a weave you know it's just weaving yeah Yep. Do you feel and like that was that's the magic? <laughs> absolutely. And that's what I get off on. I mean, just in terms of like kind of my intro that I was talking about, it's such a I don't know even know what this just put talking about like being a road dog musician in this time is just so interesting if you're playing original spiritual music. Um, you know. Uh, Carlos Santana or Tower of Power or bands that already have some sort of name recognition. I mean, they can make millions of dollars and go out for three weeks and that's great, but it's just regurgitating the old stuff in some way. And I mean, more power to them, I guess, but um, all those cats were making original music, which because the A&R guys like David Rubinson and other people were hip to that stuff, it got commodified because there was a record-based music record-based music industry and you know they became the bands they are today and that does not exist so in today's world so have you guys been able to road dog it and i guess more to the point how does sam alterman uh deal with um long stretches of inactivity on the bandstand obviously you can go shed but i'm just talking yeah. about like for me now like once a week i have to go and get stuff out of my system. Otherwise, I sort of become a little bit, I'm off, you know, and I just always wonder about the, the serious musicians who are making original music, how they keep themselves together during extended breaks, just because, I mean, live touring musicians, it's just tough these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're saying outside of actually playing. You can riff on it both ways. I mean, how do yeah, you, how no, do you go to love um, and then what do you do when when you don't when you're idle? You know. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of road dogging. Uh, I can say in the off time, 
I'm I'm a pretty avid surfer, so the oh, ocean sweet, itself, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, the the ocean. For oh, then, me then you just answered is, the question, man. Yeah, there that, you that's, go. That's <laughs> yeah, so that and sick, spending man. time with loved ones. You know, I'm, uh, you know, to be honest, I'm I'm actually not on the road right now with uh, you know, Oregon Rhythm Section really? is the backing band for this uh, this group called Say She She, which we recorded a, a record with. And uh, I've I've been staying home for most of this year because uh, uh, we're gonna me and my lady we're gonna be having a baby boy October fifth, so wow. I've been staying home and and being part of the home life and whatnot. And it's you know it's it's hard to step away from you know from it you know considering that most of my life has been road dogging it, touring, doing that sort of thing. And you know I'll tell you it's it's never been luxurious. I've never board where i have five star hotels every night and everybody building my shit you know i've i'm digging i've it, been bro. in situations yeah, where i'm playing you know and i'm working and, and i'm setting up my gear and all that stuff so when i'm home it almost feels strange to not be doing it and you gotta kind of have that feel and my feel is is yes like i gotta serve i gotta you know <clears throat> excuse me hang out with the friends i gotta shed you know <laughs> you, you find just other things that, that fill you yeah. up and now I'm going to be having a kid. So that's, that's going to be, um, that's going to be my life, you know? And well, I mean, I gotta be honest. I'm just speaking with having a 17 year old and 11 year old. I, I can honestly tell you the time to go on the road is before the baby is born, but that's cool. I mean, you're, I want to say this right now, my kids, both of them, and this doesn't work for everybody. You know, some people feel an immense amount of responsibility. So they work harder than ever being with it was a it was a, i was reborn uh there is a rebirth yeah. that goes on that um every it happens differently with everybody but i'm just saying you're about to enter a vector of your creative life where you can yeah. really start to dream again i mean you're already surfing so you know i mean those you're, <laughs> you're, you're already kind of in an elevated state i'm just saying man yeah. it's the best it's the it's the greatest thing in the world just because you're down on this level again. It's almost music because they're not verbal. You're not having typical conversations that you would have in your day in day out life. You're on the floor, like, you know, in a visceral guttural phase, you know, just really. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, anything is possible. So it was, for me, it was yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to just go. I can do everybody's just a person and I'm going to go after McLaughlin and I'm going to go after Bill Cosby before the world caved in on him as a rogue journalist. So, like, I think this is actually the timing of this is phenomenal because, you know what? Yeah, it's going to be a blissful, amazing, interesting, wild experience. But then you're going to want to you're going to have to support your family, you know, and you're going to have to go back out and you're going to be a different cat completely, you know. Of course. And like you said, you know, uh, yeah, I, I really do see it as as a, a new birth. You know, mm -hmm. I've had a lot of friends tell me that, too. But what's great is, you know, you mentioned the, you know, the creative element of it. I think what's great is that having a new life, you know, um, will definitely bring those part those parts out of me, you know, different parts of the brain that are now sparking again, you know, the the left, the right, the upper, the lower, all that. Exactly, kind of, dude. Kind of communicating again and allowing me the creative pulse to happen again. And with that, reflecting it towards my boy, you know, is I really look forward to that. And I, and yes, I, I want to be around and I want to be him, you know, be there for him. And, um, you know, but that creative process is still going to exist. And if I do go on tour, then I go on tour. And I think it'll help me there and it gives me life and hope when I come home and, and, you know, the thing is, is I don't know what's really going to happen after I have a kid, but you know, I can tell you that the, the, you <laughs> no, know, that's the, true, man. You're right. You You're know, right. The, the music's in my blood though. And you know, it I'll always be working with people, even if I, if I decide to venture other ways. And again, that could be a whole new, another creative process. You nailed it because like, yeah. dude, I'm telling you, man, I, I mean, you know, it's not for everybody. Some people are, they don't want to have kids and I respect that. I'm just saying it's so evident for me that, um, I mean, we're just getting hip to each other, but you know, my, <laughs> my, my, like my being myself, I mean, it was not a, always like a huge struggle, but I fully was like, 
liberated. Like it was just like the creative part of it was like, yo, life is real. This is not even a miracle. This is just total rebirth. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go over the edge. I'm going to inspire people. And I mean, you've yeah. been doing that already on the bandstand, but that is going to, yeah, you know, maybe he won't be a great sleeper and you'll be a little bit <laughs> sleep deprived. Uh, or whatever. I'll sleep I mean, when I'm dead. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a Mickey Hart line. That's, you sleep when you're dead, but you know, it's yeah. going, you are going to get so much rejuvenation creatively. It's going to spark. And you can see that with <laughs> certain musicians um, who have, you know, because you, you get to this point in your life, a lot of them do where, you know, they make a real conscious effort to say, you know, music is my life. I'm not going to have a family, you know, and that's beautiful. And some of them still can reach that incredibly playful, vulnerable place and be a very engaging sort of inclusive person. And then there's other people who are like, it's just a little, you're a little too cool for school. And I think it's just like, I think it's so beautiful that, that at this point in your career that you're going to have this this life come in because that's the, it's really just about being more vulnerable breaking open yeah. the heart and then just like yeah. and then all these new opportunities are old up but you're going to be a completely it's just going to be a, a a beautiful experience and you know yeah i mean it was the best out you know it was really the best thing that, that that's ever happened in my life you know it's just so it, that's a, such a wonderful thing i am surprised you are not trying to go out and road doggy before before he comes you know well you know uh you know my partner and i we you know we were you know we were talking about this and whatnot you know i i can admit that this wasn't necessarily planned but sure. you know and we weren't sure if we ever really wanted the kids but you know that's besides the point but right it's over now you know, yeah. we we are well yeah. and you know because we're doing this and it's a decision together and you know i love her to death that you know, I just want to be there for the whole process. You know, we're doing it a little different. We're doing a whole natural birth and and using hypnotherapy and stuff for for her. And I and this just gives me time to like kind of set myself up and get ready and and uh, be home for her so that she's in a good state of mind of of when we're gonna have this birth and and uh, it's important to me. So. That's beautiful. You know, I mean, and and this is yeah. this is probably one of the busiest times that I would be touring. You know, like right. I I, uh, I had this guy Gus who um, studies all my music down to nuances that I forgot that I even did, and out there filling in for me. And you know, there's a young cat that hasn't been to Europe, and so he's probably loving it and living life. And <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm happy to have him do that. And you know, and when the time is right, um, you know, then I will tour again, you know. Um, but as I said, this is a point in my life to where I feel it's necessary to be home. I know people say, and like you said, that you get all the touring in you can before you go. But, you know, when you're coming down in the months, it's I don't want to be on tour. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, I'm going into early labor and, you know, that sort of thing. So. And just Honestly, a, yeah, your a, a bonding moment. Yeah, yeah our, our uh, bonding moment as as a couple is very important to me before we bring a life into this world. So no, I mean sounds like you got a really good head on your shoulders. You know, I just I'm gonna run through the the you asked me, you were like I I was like reaching out to you and you're like, I don't I don't even know what your show's what's your show about, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh so um just wanna run through um Talk to me about whether or not you've ever been a band leader is irrelevant. Talk about what you believe are the, the best qualities of leadership on the bandstand. Oh, man, the best qualities is, I mean, really working harder than everybody else that's working for you. Um, being, you know, what does that mean? Married. What does that mean exactly? So, I mean, if, if you're a leader, you know, if you know, they say like, you got to set an example, you know, and if you're the leader of a band, if you're not working harder than everybody else that say is in the band, well, then what is it? Where is it going right. to go? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, it's right, like, right. You set the you're, bar. You're the, you're the, yeah, you set the bar, you know, and if, 
And if that's not enough and, and people are looking at it like, okay, this is all you got, then they're either going to surpass you and you're not the leader anymore, or it's just not going to happen. You know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And if you're the leader and you're the weakest link, well, there it goes. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, um, obviously communication skills, um, being aware of your surroundings, being willing to take, you know, a blow based on somebody else, you know, mm. um, you know, the, like I said, I'm I'm not the leader of any band. I'm I'm very kind of just mutual with. Well, you know, after the bands after I father in. after fatherhood, that might change, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't I can't say that I've taken on a lot of responsibilities with everybody you know that I work with and whatnot. Maybe more than sometimes I can swallow. Um, but um, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a leader of of any sort of situation. I do you know, because anything no, I mean, that but, yeah. yeah. No, I think also like it's important. Uh, some people will say to me they they've learned. I mean, you're talking about the work ethic, but they've also you know there's other things where you like you learn what not to do. You know, oh, you sort that's of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isn't that always the number one lesson? I think so. I think it's very Zen kind of thing, but you have to be you have to be really awake and really perceptive uh, to to package that in. Tell me about your. Uh, the lineage of your playing. I mean, how far does it go back? Is it, is it, is it Zigaboo? Is it Sid Catlett? Is it Papa Joe Jones? I mean, Tony Allen, we've talked about, but what other influences in music and drummers specifically are part of your lineage? Uh, well, it's funny because when I first started, you know, I, I picked up sticks maybe when I was like nine, you know, as, as right. a toddler, I was like banging on pots and pans, you know, sure. That's what any drummer will tell you. Absolutely. And um, so then as a kid, when I, you know, I, I was like, okay, yeah, I want to play drums. You know, the people that influenced me weren't necessarily like my teachers that I had, you know, they may listen to things that I wasn't necessarily listening to, but obviously like John Bonham was, I think the first drummer that I was turned on to mm. him and Buddy Rich. You know, my grandfather was a huge Buddy Rich and Gene gene krupa that's awesome band. yeah yeah you know so that was that was like hey okay learn this and so falling into that learning it and then you know i had a drum teacher that was obsessed with van halen so it's like okay <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna learn some alex's shit and it's like okay and then moving along and then you know i you know i grew up in like the the 90s and stuff and so of course like the grunge rock and all that um just i was more of playing to tracks if i got a hold of a cd it's like okay i'm just gonna listen to these songs and i'm just gonna learn it and learn it and learn it you know um and then jazz band in high school um you know unfortunately we didn't have the best uh jazz program there i wouldn't even really consider it a, a jazz class even though we played a lot of it was kind of big band stuff you know that's sure. where um and uh but then from there you know, it was just playing. And then I really got into hip hop and introduced to that. And I was all about just like the backbeats and stuff. And then of course that turned me on to James Brown and, and the funk of just like, you're there to play a groove. And it's like, Oh dude, I love doing this. I don't, I don't need to play crazy. You know, cause at one point in high school, it's like, yeah, I got to learn the double bass pedal. I got to learn this. And I studied it. I did, you know, and then I walked away from it because I was like, this isn't what I really want to do. Like, wow. I want to, wow. I want to play you the groove, man. Yes. Yeah, the groove. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's about the groove. And so I, I did that and that's, that's what got me where I am today, you know? Um, and so I've, I've never really been the guy, you know, to be honest, like I'm kind of like the, the shy guy. I'm, I, you know, I, I, I don't put myself out there as, as uh, an Instagrammer or, or uh, an influencer and stuff, you know, like I've just never <laughs> been that person. I, did, I just man. wanted no, to I play did. drums, man, you know, and that's, that's, that's what I do. And I can say like, you know, so many drummers have influenced me, you know, uh, from the past and current. Um, but what it comes down to is the people that influence me are the band members that I have, because if they hear something and I play it, or if I play something and they hear it and it creates something, well, then that's what matters, you know? And of course, yeah, that's influenced by somebody, but what music isn't, you know? Well, ultimately it's like you said, 
you can comp stuff to death and learn stuff to death, but then it's like, I mean, we all beg, borrow, and steal as a as a broadcaster. I've you know certainly have my influences, but then you know you, how do you cut above mor the morass of everybody else and, and find your own individual voice? And I know that's sort of really the forever journey. So, brother yeah. Alterman, I mean, I'm going to save the other two L's because I I'd like to do set two with you after you've brought a new life into the world or your wife. Has. <laughs> be really cool yeah. to do set two down you know and uh really ultimately when i get out to the california area i'd love to come and do a video interview with you as well man i mean you you know it's you don't have to be an influencer but you know so much of my show uh is about connecting humanity using technology really through rhythm and don't ask me how it happened but you're one of the cats so i mean you can see hey, well, profile that, let man. other people blow yeah. you up but it was it was really uh <laughs> it's cool man i really really uh love your tenor also there's a band that um you need to get hip to because there's you, you remind me of this this cat who's also an amazing surfer uh not amazing i mean he's just a surfer but uh, uh are you hip to this band mapache Mapache. I can't say uh, I am. Is it M A C H? Okay, so just, yeah, it's a raccoon in Spanish. Mapache. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, and <clears throat> anyway, at some point, you guys should definitely connect because um, anyway, Clay, Clay and Sam are the front guys, but they're just legendary cats, and uh, Clay's a big surfer, so you guys would would definitely catch a hang. They're an amazing. They just added. Uh, they were an acoustic duo for many years, and then they just added. A bass and drums and and it's really really smoking electric that's cool yeah, uh, it's yeah. good stuff man i'll check it out stay in oh, touch man cool. it was such it was such an honor to hang with you man i'll have this up later tonight and uh we'll do part two down the road and uh congratulations man your life is gonna be a lot fuller <laughs> man it's gonna be awesome beautiful man thank you, you. Well, i appreciate the uh the chance to to interview with you so thank you all right brother be cool man you as well all Ciao. right peace yeah